Welcome to the Sermon of the Week at New Hope Community Church. We hope that you're blessed and encounter God's presence as you listen to this message. We have a special treat in, in multiple ways here this morning. We're, we have, uh, we're going to introduce Chris Ball, but Chris Ball is going to be an amazing, he's just, it's, you've got a great story, but he's, he's here. It's a miracle he's even here, and he's going to speak, and we're going to do something first that we want everybody to be really completely engaged in. Um, so we're going to call up Tom and Eunice Smith. Tom and Eunice, come on up. And as they come up, the thing I was preparing my heart for was to enlarge my capacity, to enlarge my personal capacity to partner with Kingdom Life and hear what the Lord is doing and then be open to my participation or what would the Lord have me do? Because Tom and Eunice are coming up and they're going to share part of their story. They're going to share a great adventure that they're going to be participating in. Uh, they're connected to Elam. It's a really beautiful story. Um, but here, so if you don't mind, even give a big honoring welcome for Tom and Eunice. Thanks very much. We are so grateful to uh, the, the leadership here at New Hope for giving us this opportunity to uh, share what God has done, what he is doing, and what we believe he has called us to do over the course of the next year at least, maybe two or three. Uh, I just want to begin with a, a couple of verses from Philippians. Not that I have already attained it or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that just captures where our hearts are at. That's good. Yes, and some of you know this very well, but for those that don't, within the last three years, we were both widowed due to cancer, and we both felt that there was so much more that God wanted us to experience. Well, last year, our, our paths crossed. And how and why that happened is a long testimony in and of itself. But uh, it was just God's grace and goodness that brought us to the place we are today. Yeah. Well, we hit it off right away. And we're, we are on the fast track to what has become an amazing journey together. We were married on September 1st of last year and have thoroughly enjoyed this gift that God has given to each one of us. During our, our marriage ceremony, uh, we invited some close friends with a prophetic gifting to pray over us, and through them we heard God say that there was uh, a mantle over us and that he had uh, many adventures that he was going to take us on. Yeah. He wanted us to live and love and laugh and not put anything off. He told us that we would, had been given a, a Caleb spirit and that people would find rest under his sheltering wings through us. He also said that we were going to bear much fruit in our old age. <laughs> yeah, and that got a good laugh at the ceremony, too. But we had a mom-and-pop anointing. And through these words, we knew that God had so much more in store for us. Well, now the ball was in our court. What could a retired accountant 
and a nurse bring to the table, uh, a nurse with uh, a specialty in, in children's health. And uh, I, I didn't know, but uh, I approached Elam Fellowship. I had been on the audit committee there for, for many years, and, uh, and, and they called me in. Tom Brazell met with me and said, well, you know, actually, there, there is a place that could use your skill set. It's uh, an orphanage in Nairobi. Uh, that lost both their accountant and a nurse some time ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so at that time we dusted off some prophetic words that had been spoken over us in years past. They were words that at the time I'm sure we said, well, that's a good word. You know, that kind of speaks to my heart. We didn't really know what they meant, but they just sat like sleeping giants in our closet. Uh, one man whom I had never met before uh, shared that I was an insurance kind of guy that would set everything down and count all things before and after and during the time that it happens. Well, since I was an accountant, I could say yes and amen to, to that. But he also said that I would be one that stands and supports another man during a difficult time. Mike Danforth was here in the spring one year, and he said to me, he affirmed my mother's heart for strangers. It really spoke to me, and I've always taken in strays, so I knew he was right on. But I was also told that I would meet new people, and then I would know it was time to start my ministry. And that certainly has happened over the course of the last 15 months. <laughs> Amen. Uh, then about five years ago, uh, Sylvia Evans, whom I'm sure many of you know, shared that she heard a word parenting, fostering, fathering, caring for. Uh, she said that God is enlarging my heart, my heart's capacity to take on more kids, perhaps as many as 70, and she explained where she got that number from. But I found it pretty interesting given that uh, the orphanage that we're going to be stationed at has 70 kids. <laughs> Coincidence, right? <laughs> So after rereading re these uh, words, we decided to, to visit Rahama back in April. And we stayed there for 10 days and to see if it was indeed the place where God was uh, sending us. We were really excited after meeting everyone at the home. The, the kids were so polite and endearing. And God spoke to us very clearly about the need for us to come and support these good people. They'd been working hard for 20 years, and he revealed that they were like Moses, that just needed an Aaron and her to hold up their hands so they could finish well. Uh, we have a short video that kind of gives you an idea of what goes on at that home. I have like 60 to 65 siblings, and the thing about Rehema is that everyone is friendly. Growing up in our home with so many brothers and sisters is good because like, you can share with each other, you can tell each other your life experiences, you can look up to each other. It's good. It's like being in a normal family. The only difference is it's a bigger family, which is better to me. I couldn't help but uh, 
think when we were singing that song, the orphans have found a home. Yeah. That uh, it was just a beautiful way to introduce this home to you guys. Okay, so <laughs> I get a little teary-eyed every time I watch that video even just because I know what God has in store for us. Really great things, and I'm really excited. Um, we do have cards available, prayer cards, um, to help you keep us in mind. They can go on your fridge. Uh, we just really are specific, specifically asking for God's favor. There's a Bridge Campus, campus Initiative at Rehema, um, it's stalled due to bureaucracy, um, but there's a real need to help the kids that are aging out of the orphanage. They need to find a way to support themselves as young adults. There's a 40% unemployment rate in Kenya. So college, um, some kind of education or apprenticeship training is a must, and that's what this Bridge Campus Initiative is, is trying to accomplish. Uh, we also believe that we're being called to visit other Kenyan churches at their Sunday morning services it was brought to my attention by a, a bishop in the Pefa Church. You know, why is it that people don't get around to the other churches? And I asked the leadership there, and they said, well, the reason is that we take uh, the kids to a church so that they could have a church home. And uh, so he's going to be working with us to give us an opportunity just to be out and about and share this. He said that the churches would be really happy to, uh, to join and supporting uh, Rahama. Right. So, and I will be taking the kids to the clinic, so I covet your prayers. I've got to take them frequently because many are HIV positive, so they have medical needs, they need um, frequent medical visits, and the traffic conditions are horrible, very unsafe. There's, there's a lot of death there due to traffic conditions, so I need prayer. And finally, we're asking for your financial support. Uh, we've been credentialed as global ministers by Elam Fellowship, and your contributions to Elam on, on our behalf would be wonderful. Uh, in addition to my retirement income, we could raise, we, we feel we would need about $25,000. Um, Nairobi is much more expensive than I would have guessed. It's a very cosmopolitan city, and and uh, the cost of rent and food is, is quite high there. So in closing, I just want to have Eunice share one of the many devotions that we prayed over, this one back in February. Is the environment that you're in limiting the gifts that are inside you? There is potential inside of you to walk out your calling, what you were made to do. Don't let your surroundings hinder the work that you were specifically crafted to accomplish. The late Miles Monroe once said that the wealthiest place in the world is the graveyard because there sits the dreams that were never released and the desires that never came forth which have been buried in the ground, things that people were called to do, but they sat scared or maybe lazy on the sidelines watching everyone else do it. Thanks again for listening to our story. We'll be in the back afterwards if you have any questions. We're going we're gonna to just extend our hands and just pray and and uh, thank you, Father. We, we lift up Tom and Eunice to you. We bless them. We're excited for them. They've inspired us. Uh, Lord, we get behind them. And Holy Spirit, even now, you're, you're speaking to many of us of what would our response be. So I just pray that we would obey Holy Spirit. Lord, we just believe you.
And we believe that you're leading them, that you're going to provide everything that's needed for this. Lord, we thank you for the impact they're going to have. We just release them and just uh, overwhelm them with your goodness and just every abundant provision for them. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Give them a big clap. Wow, that's good. Yeah, you can take that one. All right, that was good, right? Come on, was that good? Just, oh. So blessed. Just, to, just, it's just so good. We are in for a treat. I don't know how many of you know Chris Ball or Carol Ball. It's, uh, they are powerhouses. Now, Chris, did I get this right? I grew up, you didn't know this, but I knew who you were probably before you knew who I was. But did they call you the general? Was that a fun little nickname? Okay. Because I, I remember meeting Chris Ball at an event at Elam, this powerhouse man. He had birthed the church in a rural area, and the growth was explosive, and they were doing kingdom work, and, and he was the general. And it was like, man, the guy's like, I want to just go up and salute the general. And uh, he's been involved with church planting, church oversight. He's the president of Elam Fellowship of Churches, 900 uh, strong uh, he's a father, a papa, he's a general in the army of God, and he's a powerful man. And I don't know if you're going to share your story, but it's really cool that he's even here today yeah. because he wasn't going to take no for an answer to be here with us today. So we love honoring and putting a platform out there of honor. Let's all stand in honor and, and welcome Chris Ball to Amen. bring the word. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Here we go. There you go. Praise God. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, Eunice came up to me earlier, and I was sitting there, and she said, uh, hi, I'm Eunice. And, uh, and then Tom came up and said hi. And 99.9% um, .9 of the time, I've always talked to Tom on speakerphone when I was in an audit meeting for Elam Fellowship. So this is the first time I saw his gorgeous face, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I didn't know what he looked like before, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I'm so excited about Tom and Eunice going to Rahema Home. I've been to Rahema Home. Uh, I've been to actually that Rahema Home about uh, seven times. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing ministry. They pick kids up out of the garbage dump and then raise them their whole life until they're even past uh, teenagers, way, way into the 20s. And uh, most of them HIV positive. And um, I took Josiah there when Josiah was just a young kid, and he did some hip-hop for them, and uh, it was pretty cool. They liked him more than me. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but it was just great. And blessings on Tom and Eunice and their ministry. Yeah. And anybody that gets behind them financially, it will not be a waste. Because I know there's times you can go places and you never know what anybody's really doing over in these countries. But that's a great ministry. I've been there. I've seen it. And, it, and it's, a, it's a great ministry. I want to just do a couple of introductory things. First of all, I, I just had uh, three stents put in on Thursday. 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 Yeah, and, uh, and I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, pa pastor, pastor said to me, yeah, yeah you, you, you would clap louder if you had the stents. I'm telling you that. 
That's right there. I'm telling you right now. But seriously, uh, I talked to Pastor Steve, and uh, he said, Pastor Chris, I know you. you. You'll push yourself way beyond, you know. And I said, well, I'm feeling pretty good, so if I don't get, get it, I'll, I'll just uh, sit down. So I asked Josiah to bring a chair. If I pass out, I know where the hospital is, so we're good. You know what I'm saying? But I'm feeling really good. I, um, the first day out of the hospital, I came out um, Friday afternoon, and I uh, was feeling a little weak. But uh, yesterday, I was able to walk a quarter of a mile and strengthen myself a little bit. So I'm doing really good, and I'm excited to be here. And it, so it is a miracle that I'm here because um, they were expecting I might have to have bypass surgery. Instead, they put three stents in. And uh, I had a heart attack a year and a half ago, and they put one stent in and left some blockages with the hopes of, uh, uh, of them, uh, you know, not needing any stents for a while. And that while turned up. So, uh, but anyway, thank you for praying. I know some of you have been praying for me. I also want to thank you on a couple of levels. First of all, I um, just, this, this is a dad's heart talking now, obviously. I am so proud of Josiah and his ministry and what God has been doing with him. And, but I, I want you to know a lot of what God is doing is because of this church right here. The leadership in this church standing with him through thick and thin. And, um, you know, there's a thing a dad can do, but there's, he needed a pastor. And I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not a good pastor to Josiah. <laughs> Because he doesn't listen, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so you know, one of the things I used to teach people when I was pastoring is, if you if you uh, have teenagers, get them in front of people uh, that they will listen to. You know, I might tell them to change something, but it, this guy with tattoos all over him would say something. And they go, "Yeah, man, it's cool. I, I'm dumping all that music," you know, <laughs> and uh, and um, you know, and I would have just said that the week before, but uh, so and it didn't matter because because uh, you know parents are stupid when kids become teenagers, and uh, and Josiah he's still a teenager uh, at heart, and uh, <laughs> but uh, but I love his young spirit. Amen. Amen. So I just want to thank you, thank you, church, on behalf of Carol and I, uh, just for how much you have loved my son and this journey that he's in right now. And I know uh, Pastor Ralph and Pastor Steve and Pastor Joy and all the rest of the leaders. I don't know everybody, but thank you so much. It means the world to me. I, um, I also, it's interesting that, that I really didn't know Pastor Steve, but I remember Joy as a little girl on the campus of Elam. You know, when she was young, and uh, and um, but uh, they've been in our home. For, I think they came for Christmas dinner, and now they came for recently July Fourth, and so uh, and we don't even go here. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it, but it's great. So uh, it's it's a real joy. Thank you so much, Ralph, for uh, helping out this morning. And uh, you are very prophetic because you see, you said I have three messages that I carry on my heart right now, and, um, and I said to Carol this morning, she's, she's preaching at um, uh, Leroy uh, Church in Leroy this morning, but um, there's three messages that I carry on my heart, and I'm not going to tell you the titles of them in case I get invited back, um, <laughs> but Ralph, you know, I'm, sometimes I'm looking for the word of the Lord, you know what I'm saying, what is it, God, you're trying to say, and Ralph said something about all three of them, so he didn't help me at all, I mean, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? But um, 
but uh, uh, let, me, let me tell you what I do feel. Um, I have been talking to Pastor Steve, because usually when I go to a church, I'm in a different church uh, every Sunday, uh, and, uh, and, and usually when I go to a church, I, I just wait to see, if, is, is there something new? Is there something that I can come alongside that pastor and really strengthen him? Because I want to know, I'll listen to the last couple of sermons that were preached and stuff like that, uh, if they have them you know, available online, uh, just because I want to be leaving a deposit. I don't want to just come and do something that's canned. And um, I really sense that this church, from what talk, when I talked to Steve in particular, that this church is right on the edge of, uh, of something explosive. Good. I mean, really. Yeah. You know, you could say that anywhere and make people feel good. But every time I come in here, I mean, before you were here this morning, I was here, and the music kicking off when I walked in, the atmosphere, I, it just was confirming to me, this, this is a great place, great worship this morning, love the acoustic feel, I love some of the arrangements uh, that were played, and the, you know, it was just a great atmosphere, great worship, I've been here before, came for your anniversary, but I'm telling you, um, you know, I just sense that your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm, uh, the Lord, uh, the word that I want to speak to you, you just said this word in larger capacity. I'm going to, the title of my message, this, enlarging our capacity for greatness. Wow. Amen. I, I'm going to talk to you about that this morning. Enlarging our capacity for greatness. And I feel that this church is just about on the edge of doing something greater than you've experienced up till this time. And it's going to require you as individuals that are part of this church to enlarge your capacity for that greatness. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, so my message is going to be about enlarging I know a little bit about where you're going and I'm telling you right now where you're going is where you need to go. This church, I know, I know a little bit about the prayer and the heart of the leadership for this church and its future because Pastor has, uh, has, has talked to me about some of that. So, but I'm telling you that God is getting ready to do something bigger and better. And in order for that to happen, we must individually and corporately as a church enlarge our capacity for that greatness. Now, when I talk about greatness, sometimes the church gets super spiritual, and they can't handle that because, you know, some people in the church think, well, you're not supposed to be great. Well, that's not true because Jesus said, greater things shall you do than I have done. See, so there, that's, that's already a, a disqualification if you have that mindset. I'm looking to change your mindset. What we aren't supposed to do is we aren't supposed to have a humanistic approach to that greatness. But God wants us to be great. Let me, let me prove it another way. The disciples were fighting and arguing who would be the greatest, right? And Jesus comes along, and he doesn't say to those disciples, you naughty boys, you shouldn't be talking about being great. What he says to them is this, if you're going to be great. He doesn't say don't be great. He says if you're going to be great, be a servant. See, he's not against greatness. He's against an attitude of haughtiness, arrogance in the midst of greatness. See, he wants us to be better. Uh, greater things shall you do. Uh, God says, I want you to have little faith, yeah, but now I want you to have much faith. You see, he wants to increase and enlarge our capacity for whatever he has for us. What I'm learning as I'm traveling around 
is that a lot of the church, especially in the Western world, a lot of the church has settled way below their capacity to do all God wants them to do. Are you with me? That way below their capacity, I think Maxwell, John Maxwell says it this way, we operate way below the level of obedience. Yes. That God has called us to so much, but we're still looking for another prophecy in our kinds of churches. We're looking for another word when we haven't even lived up to the last words. Hello? That's why I thought it was so cool when Tom and Eunice were up here and they were saying, uh, Sylvie Evans said this and this person said this. And they're saying, we're stepping into that. You see what I'm saying? And God is going to call some of you today to step into new things. Step into areas that you've never stepped. I'm going to preach from one verse, one verse only. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2. If you, if you follow along, it's, uh, I'm going to use the New King James Version and the Message Version to make some points come out to you. But <clears throat> if, you, if you're new to the Bible, Isaiah 54 is in, in, the, uh, it's in the Old Testament, and it's, it's, you know, the first part of Isaiah is recording about the rebelliousness and the, 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 um, the effect that the children have uh, been in captivity, the children of Israel have been in captivity. And by the time we get to Isaiah 53 and the rest of the book, uh, we, we see instruction of how to use their freedom now. God is taking you to greater places. He's taking you, and he's, he's preparing your, your things. And, he, and in Isaiah 53, which, by the way, is right before Isaiah 54, that took no brain right there. Uh, Isaiah 53 is one of the most quoted Old Testament chapters. Let me give you part of that verse. By his stripes... See, see, we know it because we were so used to quoting that section of Scripture. And then over in Isaiah 55, we have, um, we have verses like this. Uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. And uh, my word will not return. See, all that's in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 53 talks about the price by my stripes. Isaiah 55 talks about the promises, the potential of the greatness. But Isaiah 54 talks about a process. And if we, uh, when I was in Africa, hey, I was in Africa sitting on Moffat Kilioba's uh, living room couch, and I, I took a sabbatical after I pastored 27 years, and I took about a month in Africa and just sat before the Lord. And he began to speak to me out of Isaiah 54. And I can preach a message from every verse. Because he just began, you know, he just began to unfold stuff to me. And, and, and all of it is about something that we need to do to enlarge our capacity. Wow. Something we need to do to position ourselves for the next whatever that God's bringing to us. Are you with me? And so, so I want to talk to you about that and read Isaiah 54, verse 2. It's a very simple uh, verse. You've probably heard it many times. If you're in Pentecostal circles, people prophesy it a lot. Here it is. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. I'll read it again. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. I want to share with you three things 
that I see in those verses that I think, and by the way, let me just say this. As I share this word this morning, I don't know, I know Joey, uh, Josiah, but God knows all of us here. And I believe he wants to speak to each one of us. I don't really feel, I mean, the pastor's going to listen to this later and tell me whether I did okay, <laughs> but, but I, I really feel like God is saying, I want to talk to you this morning. To enlarge your capacity. Three things that I see in here that we need to do. The first thing is we need to clean out our space. Every time I've read that verse until I sat on the couch of uh, Moffat Kilioba in Africa, in Kenya, I read, enlarge your tents. God is going to enlarge your tents. It doesn't say that. It says, I'm going to enlarge the place of your tents. I'm not going to enlarge your tents. In fact, nowhere in this verse does he say, I'm going to enlarge your tents. In fact, I checked it out in the original, and the, the message version says it this way, clean the lots of ground for your tents. Make your tent large. Spread it out. Use plenty of rope and drive those tent pegs deep. God wants us to clean out our space I was born in England, 1959, I'm 58 years old, I was born the exact same day as my wife. I was born in England, she was born in New Jersey, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm also a twin, and so we celebrate the three of us Christmas together as birthdays. Uh, Christmas Carol, Chris Carol, okay. And so, um, but I was born in England, and I came over to the United States with my family. We're immigrate, uh, we immigrated, and uh, and um, in 1969 in Hampton, Virginia, and I was this cute, adorable, <laughs> uh, cute, adorable little nine-year-old, and with a British accent, which I wish that I still had that British <laughs> accent, because if you preach with a British accent, you're always good. <laughs> It don't matter what you say. Hello, love. How you doing? Come on. We're going to do this right now. You know, (laughs) man, he can preach, you know. (laughs) So, but anyway, um, I, 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 my parents brought us here and I went in, our whole family went into culture shock. It was like, we spoke English, but the American culture was such a shock to British people. And so we went all the way back to England and we decided to leave and go back and live in England. And then six months later, we found out it was worse off in England and we came back. (laughs) And one of the things my father did is is my dad enrolled me in Boy Scouts. He said, this will help you build relationship with, with people, young people your age, you know, get to know people. And so I, 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 I was enrolled in the Boy Scouts. But the thing is, is this guy named Larry was my Boy Scout master. He worked with my dad. My dad was a car mechanic. And Larry was a Marine drill sergeant. <laughs> I joined the United States Marines Boy Scouts. <laughs> this guy 
I'm serious, man. Ten years old, I'm sitting there, and this guy from 10 to 14 years of age, I was in the Boy Scouts, from 10 to 14, he was a hiker, a mountain climber. We repelled and on, on, with rope and stuff like that. And, and this guy had us, for, you know, these, these Boy Scouts, uh, we actually um, uh, walked the Appalachian Trail in the whole state of Virginia. Not just a little bit, the whole state of Virginia. And nuts. <laughs> this guy was a Fruit Loop, man. I mean, he, he was intense. Uh, he, but when I was uh, 13, he, he took me and another guy. Uh, I remember this guy. I can't remember his name right now. But, and he took us to the Monongahela National Forest for a week to learn how to live off of two matches and a raincoat. On day four and five, they took us in a station wagon, dropped us off blindfolded an hour drive away and said, we'll see you back at camp. <laughs> Left me and the other guy. We're 14 years old. My parents would be arrested today. <laughs> it's nuts. And, and I learned how to boil water with a raincoat and no, no pots and pans. It was really cool. And I remember it even today. And quite frankly, here I am telling the story. Larry would go like this. Hey, guys, we're camping. And this is where we're going to camp, right here. That's what he would do. And all we had was a poncho and a piece of rope. And that was it. No tents. Poncho and a piece of rope. And, and that's what we had to learn how to camp in. And so sure enough, man, we would camp everywhere. And it wasn't long before I learned that if you're going to camp, you have to clean out your space. If you're going to be a tent of the Holy Spirit, if you're going to be a church that's a tent, a tabernacle, we have to clean out our space. And there's three things I found when I would camp that would really bother me. Number one, rocks. Maybe Jacob laid on a rock, but it ain't no fun, man. I'm telling you that right now. I've laid on a rock all night. Clean out rocks. Number two, I, I, you know, I look across at the beautiful hay fields up here in New York. They look pretty from a distance, but try sleeping on one of those pins and needles. And then uh, the other thing I learned was, you, you know, the, the tire ruts of the fields, you, you don't want to sleep in them. <laughs> you have to even out the ground. Are you with me? And the Lord spoke to me and said, those are the three things today. This is not in the Bible. This is my conjecture. But basically, there's three things that I think we need to clean out our space with in order to enlarge our capacity for greatness. Number one, rocks. Rocks represent hard things in our lives. About a year, two, three years now I've been traveling I'm not in a church every week, but most weeks. And if I give an altar call because God's leading me in that altar call, one of the number one requests that I get and deal with. In fact, Ralph, if you want to preach a sermon and get a big altar call, just preach about unforgiveness. The church is flooded with unforgiveness. Those who have experienced the forgiveness of God hold on to things. Well, Pastor Chris, I don't... Uh, I don't really have unforgiveness. What about John? Oh, well, there is that. You see what I'm saying? And it, unforgiveness and bitterness built up in us makes us hard. 
if we're not careful. Hard. Hard things. Attitudes. You ever met somebody that loves Jesus with a bad attitude? <laughs> Don't point to them right now. It wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good. Hardness in our hearts. Number one reason for divorce. Hardness. That's what Jesus said, not me. In Matthew 19. See, hardness, and I'm somebody who's been divorced. I'm thankful that 31 years that Carol hasn't left me. You know what I'm saying? I know what it's like to have redemption and knowing that God can heal and do something great. Who would have thought that somebody with that kind of record would be the president of Elam Fellowship? God, not me. Not me. Why? Because you got to get rid of the stuff out of the place. Get rid of it. Weeds. Weeds. Forns and thistles. There's, there's a parable in the Bible where Jesus takes the word. Now, his word is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Able to confront, able to heal, able to do creation, all kinds of things. A powerful word. But weeds can choke it. And Jesus said to us that you can make his word, me, you, we can make his word non-effect. Why? Because we have weeds in our life. Weeds. It's a young man at my church uh, years ago. Uh, he, um, we had a prophet come to our church. And uh, the prophet went up to him. Dennis Kramer went up to the this guy's so accurate at times, man, it's just nuts. And he, go, he puts his hand on this young guy, and he says, this is what he says, pastor, 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 pastor. You think God's telling this guy something? You know what I'm saying? He went to Bible college. He's done a lot of great things. I believe he's still got a call on his life to be a pastor 20 years later. Dennis Kramer comes back. That's one of the things that's cool when you pastor 27 years, you get to see some things repeat. And this guy came back and, and uh, Dennis lays hands on the same guy who's not in ministry full time, but I believe he's got a call in his life. Walks up to the guy, there's no way he remembers him. Now he's got three children. He was a little boy before. And he says to him, pastor, 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 pastor. <laughs> Now, I believe that guy's going to still pastor one day. I really have hope for him. I know he's a good man. He's a great man. He's a good friend. But the thing that's kept him out of that is weeds have choked out the word. Busyness. Debt. Debt. I remember a preacher saying years and years ago to me, Chris, can God say to you, pack up your bags and go at any time? Or is debt in the way? Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yes. We've got to be careful what the weeds are. Clean out our space. The last one is hills and valleys, bumps and bruises that can be in our lives. And so much of our lives, we desire to enlarge our capacity for greatness, but we haven't dealt with the rocks, we haven't dealt with the weeds, and we're so emotional. Insecurity is one of the most acceptable sins in the church. Maybe if not a sin of behavior. I mean, we accept it. Listen, how many of you are insecure? 
too insecure to raise your hand? It's okay. <laughs> I'm insecure. You're insecure. Just turn to somebody and say, I'm insecure. That's true. Didn't that feel good? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> we'll need another healing service now, okay? But the truth is, is this. It's not, are we insecure? It's how much are we insecure? Because we all deal with it. And God wants us to get our security in him. Come on. And it's a process, man. It's a process of developing. Emotionalism. Man, oh my goodness. I've seen amazing, strong, passionate Christians in church. But then they leave and the wind hits their hair wrong and they're upset. (laughs) Or they get home and find out the Bills didn't win and they're upset. And they behave in ways. I think God wants to settle us down. A day is coming when the church needs to be strong and mighty in spirit, not up and down emotional. Come on. And in order for that to happen, we have to clean out our space. Turn to somebody right now and say, point one is clean out your space. (laughs) Come on. Clean out your space. Get rid of the hard things. Get rid of things that choke you. Get rid of things that are up and down emotionally. Amen? Come on. Turn, am I scratching anybody's itch yet? Okay. All right, here we go. Let's keep going for those that didn't get itched yet. All right. <clears throat> Number two, it says this. It says, enlarge, you'll never see that differently again, the same way. Enlarge the place of your tent. And then let them stretch out their curtains. Number two, stretch out your reach. Stretch out your reach. God wants you to reach beyond where you are right now. He didn't say add to your curtains. Never once did he say enlarge your curtains. He said stretch out your reach. In my shower at home, I'm sorry for the picture, but basically (laughs) we have a shower curtain. And in that shower curtain right there, it folds up when when we want to get out and get in. But then we stretch out the curtain. Are you with me? See, listen, listen, brother. God's got so much going on in you right now. You don't need to add to it. You just need to use it. You don't need anybody in here doesn't need right now to add something. He just has put something in you. The seeds are in you. The DNA is there. We have just got to reach in and allow him to blow on it and stretch out our reach. God wants us to stretch. I was... um, just I was raised in this little town called South Butler, New York. South Butler is population 127. I think there's more people here today. 127 people. 85 houses. Church was 36 people when I got there. It was a denominational church. People lit candles, came down, genuflected, lit the candles. Crazy. And that's the church that I took when I was 27 years old. 27 years later, 350, $4 million worth of buildings. Miracles happened. How many of you want to know? Seven people on staff. How many know God was stretching me through those years? Crazy stretching. So he comes to me. That church was my second love next to Jesus. Third, 
Jesus, chocolate, and then the church. <clears throat> and Carol, somewhere, okay. <laughs> but basically, I love that church, man. It was my family, man. First time I came to this church, you preached on family. And I, I, I'm home when it's a family, not just a thing, but we're family. I understand family. God says to me, I want you to leave that family and become the president of Elam Fellowship. Do what? Not me. Somebody else has been in line for that position. For 10 years that person has been, we're going to have that person be the president. And all of a sudden you're saying, me? I have to leave? Leave everything? Yes. Started to stretch me. Now, I had 350 people, seven people on staff. Now I have 907 credential holders, 186 missionaries. Now these two joined. 21 full-time staff. 60 volunteer people all around. I am being stretched. <laughs> I dealt with people. Now I deal with pastors. <laughs> They have Bible verse memory to beat you up. <laughs> no, I'm, I love pastors, man. I, you have no idea. I deeply love pastors. That's why he called me to this. But I'm being stretched. And one day I was illustrating this in a church in uh, Nairobi. And they showed me that he stretched for me. And I must be willing to stretch for him. I don't know what stretching means for you. It means a lot of different things. I just showed you what he's doing with me. I definitely feel unqualified. But I'm getting more qualified. For some people, you come in here and you don't raise your hands. I was taught not to raise your hands. I got saved in a church where you didn't do that. They taught me great Bible, but they didn't teach me that part of the Bible. When I wanted to raise my hands during worship one time, I, I, they said, no, no, we don't do that here. We raise our hands in our heart. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> I remember this day, man, I, 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 I took a risk and I raised my hands and the pastor called on me and said, do you have a question? <laughs> it was so, un, it was foreign, you know? Now that church raises its hands because now we, those of you that are young, you don't even get this, but all kinds of denominations now raise their hands. It's amazing what God has done over the years. We used to get in trouble as Pentecostals. We were called emotional back in those days. <clears throat> I don't know what you've got to do for you. Maybe it's just need to smile in church one time. <laughs> you know, maybe that's a stretch. You know, you're, you, you just make it your goal to be miserable. But some people need to, you know, I, I get funny when I preach, and usually it's because some people don't laugh. I already know who you are. Don't look at me now, okay? I already know. But see, sometimes when we sit there in a mood, it, it tells us something about ourselves. Hello? God says laughter is the medicine. Amen. Opens our hearts up. Amen? Amen. 
I'm not trying to be funny for you to just applaud me or make me feel better. I'm trying to say, God, do something with us right. to enlarge our capacity yes. for greatness. Good. Amen? That's good, man. Enlarge us. Ask yourself, just privately, self, what do I need to do to stretch? Maybe I need to volunteer for something in this church I have not volunteered for. Maybe I need to step into something that I've never stepped into, a prayer or praying out loud or for others it might be, you're all, everything in, for stretch for you is to shut up. <laughs> I know you're thinking of that person right now. <laughs> God's been teaching me to be a better listener and a less talker. He's teaching me that. Turn to somebody and say, point number two is, is to stretch out your reach. If you read on after that, he says this, listen, don't spare. Don't spare. Lengthen your cords. Different versions of that says, don't hold back. New International Version. New Living Translation says, spare no expense in the stretching. Uh, pastors should not have to beg people to give money in churches. We should want to do it. Holy mackerel. I think I spend more money on food than I do Jesus sometimes. Or at least chocolate. <laughs> think big. Stretch out your reach. Lengthen your cords. In our context, we would lengthen our cords to hold up a bigger tent. But in those days, cords were used to measure. He says, Chris, listen, buddy. You have been used to measuring your life with a yard uh, ruler, but I want you to start measuring your life with a yardstick because I've got more for you. Amen. And I believe he's saying that to this church. I prophetically speak that to this church. Yeah, you think yeah. it's a cool thing right now? Wait till you have three services and everybody's saying, I want to be on the worship team for all three services. <laughs> and you say, no, you can't. You can just do one. It starts to stretch you. Growth can make you angry. <laughs> but God wants to grow this church. Amen. God wants to enlarge your capacity yeah. for greatness. Number three, and I'm done. Clear out your space. Stretch out your reach. And I'm feeling good, by the way, in case anybody's praying like crazy right now. <laughs> Just getting through it, Lord. <laughs> strengthen your stakes. It says it right there. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Amen. Strengthen your tapes. The, the message version says it this way. I love it. It says, drive your tent pegs deep. Yes. Drive them deep. And the only thing I would say that really God's speaking to me here is he's saying to me, listen, when you begin to stretch out your curtains, you're more vulnerable to every wind of doctrine because you have a bigger spread. And what we need to do is when the church starts growing, when you start growing, uh, we need to stay humble and we need to be grounded in the word. We need to strengthen our stakes. We need to be sure of who we are in Christ. Amen? God wants us to be strong and mighty in spirit, walking in confidence, but also walking in humility. 
in greatness, we must make sure that our lives are full of hu humility. If you read the rest of the chapter, it talks about wisdom, love, being in love. It talks about hope. It talks about knowing who really is in charge. All of that is strengthening your stakes. Strengthen your stakes. Make sure that you're grounded. I want to end with this. Uh, i just end with this. Are you thanking the Lord because I'm ending, or are you thanking no. the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Pastor Steve, Ralphie is behaving, okay? I, I, I tell you what, thank you, Ralph. I've already told you how much I appreciate your heart for my son and your love. Okay, here we go. Jack Hayford, um, for some reason, took me under his wing for a few years. Took amazing season in my life. Took me to Israel with my wife. She led worship for him. I held his microphone. We were his roadies. <laughs> but he discipled me and taught me in Israel and in California and different places. Great guy. And he taught a series in Israel about rocks. And one of the things he said about those rocks I want to end my message with. He said, there's three things you can do with rocks. Rocks represent the hard things. Remember that? Rocks, he said... <clears throat> You can do three things with these rocks. Number one, you can throw them. You can throw rocks. And he does a whole teaching on rocks that I didn't have time for this this morning because, but it would be fun to, to, to study. Some rocks come from erosion and explosions. So we're hard because of explosions. There's all kinds of things I could bring up. But he said, Christians often want to throw rocks because they want to blame somebody else for their stuff. What they do is they, they, they just say, well, the reason I'm doing this is because my mom or because of my dad or because of you or because of the church or because of the pastor. Are you, are you hearing me? Yeah. We throw rocks. Second thing he said we can do with rocks is we can carry them. I think we do more of that. Where we walk around and we come into church and we sing... We sing you know, um, oh, there is a God. I love him so much, and he's able. But we're so weighed down with the junk in our lives. And we carry it around because we've learned to become exercising of the things we hold on to. So nobody knows but God. The third thing we can do is the thing I want to recommend we all do. He said, you can take rocks, and rocks you can build an altar. Amen. And when you build an altar, an altar is for a place of death. And what we need to become is a living sacrifice over the altar of the hard things in our lives. When we're cleaning out our space, we don't just collect it as a trophy, but we lay it before the cross. We lay it before God, and we say, God, here, Take this hard thing from me and enlarge my capacity for greatness. Amen? Would you stand with me? I'd love to pray with you. Amen? I'd love to pray with you. And I'm feeling great, by the way. I feel good. I just am going to go sit down as soon as I finish. And I'm almost done. 
I'm going to turn it over to Pastor uh, Ralph because he knows how to lead this section more than I could ever dream to because he's a pastor in the house. But I just feel like right now, how many of you would like to enlarge your capacity for greatness? Yeah. Okay, so there's five or six of you. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Talk to God about that. Don't settle for less. How many of you, don't raise your hands, just know that there's probably some things that came, and maybe God put his finger on something this morning, but let me just deal with one of them, and that's the hardness. What, what's going on inside that we're carrying or throwing around? Well, we just need to say, God, you don't have to come up here to do this. You can just say, Lord, here's, here's the rock. If I had time, I would have brought a bucket of rocks and handed them out to you this morning. One apiece, just to represent something. We all, at times, right now I don't have any. It's because I got rid of them last week. But how many know we can pick them up again? So just maybe if you could place your hands like this in front of you right now and just say, God, I give you my rocks. I lay myself on the altar again as a living sacrifice, trusting you, trusting you to bring the greatest potential yet, the, the greatest redemptive potential to my life. Father, I pray for everyone here. I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and this wonderful pastor. We pray for Pastor Steve and Pastor Joy right now as they're at a wedding and the other leaders that are with them. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for these great pastors. But in this moment, Lord, we meet you and say, Lord, we want to leave here lighter than when we came, free of the weight cast every weight and sin down because we have such a great cloud of witnesses. And it's in your name we pray. Everyone said? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to find out more of what's happening here at New Hope, please contact newhopecom.org or download additional messages from our podcasts.